good news is I have a dear friend here all the way from Karachi, Pakistan, Bishop Mushtaq, who oversees 60 churches that he has helped plant over the last 15 years through his organization, Vision for the Kingdom, who I visited a couple of times there and been honored to preach in a couple of those churches, is here with us today. He's here basically for an extended weekend for Cross-Connecting Network's um, board meeting. That's the organization. Uh, I'm the chair of the board. Uh, Jerry Miner and Sharon Miner set that up 10 years ago when they just kind of bumped into uh, Mushtaq in a God incident, if you want to call it that, and happened to strike up a friendship, which has blossomed into a huge thing. Um, and is doing incredible things. I mean, amazing what's happening through their partnership and through the ministry uh, of what's happening uh, in Pakistan and beyond. So really grateful to have Bishop Mushtaq here with us. We'd like to call him on up. It's been, oh gosh, it's almost three years since you were here last and preached, um, but we're really glad to have you back. And so, Bishop, I'd love to pray for you as you come forward. Heavenly Father, thank you for my brother, uh, Bishop Mushtaq. I'm so grateful for his friendship and his inspiration the inspiration that he gives to me to live for you and to seek to be reaching the lost, Lord God, in our community. Um, Lord, it's, it's exciting to see what's happening in Pakistan, but may that also rub off on us, Lord Jesus. Might we be inspired to be a people who go out and proclaim the truth. Would you uh, come fill in with your spirit now, and would he speak to us? Give us ears to listen to what he has to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, good morning. Good morning. It's a privilege to come back, uh, and I know some of you already saw my face, uh, but I had very good hairs before, but, uh, <laughs> but my hair are just gone, so anyway, about, sorry about that. Uh, he has four children. So. Yeah, I have four children, so, you know, how they pull your hairs. <laughs> so, uh, as I was, uh, you know, uh, reading uh, the last verse, from Luke chapter 3, verse, uh, uh, you know, 15 uh, to 22, uh, I was just reading and uh, trying to really grasp what God has actually, you know, done uh, through John's ministry. And we know that John actually came uh, before Jesus Christ, and his ministry started before even Jesus started his ministry. John did not... Uh, he did not just start it before Jesus Christ, but he actually came after 400 years. Uh, you know, there was no before in these 400 years direct revelation from the Lord uh, on this earth. So he was unique. Uh, his, uh, his ministry was unique. And uh, what was happening over there, he was, he was speaking the truth. And uh, he was proclaiming the kingdom of God. Before even Jesus started to proclaim the kingdom of God, John is the one who started actually. And uh, when he was proclaiming the kingdom of God, some people thought, oh, he is the Messiah. He's the one we were waiting for. And I mean, he had the luxury on that time to really become the Superman and can say, oh yeah, yeah, I am the same person. Because no one could, act, no one could actually stop him to, be, to, be, to become Messiah, uh, because people really thought that he is the one. So what happened actually, he, in this whole passage, when he was preaching the truth, he knew that people, some or most of the people 
do not understand the truth. They have misunderstood about the truth. And uh, we all have our definition of truth as well in this world. And we are living with our defined truths. And they have their own defined truth. So what John did in this passage, we, sa we, we saw that John clarified the misunderstanding of those people. And he said, I'm not Messiah. But the one who is more powerful than I, he's coming. And I'm not even worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. He will come and baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. That he will separate the wheat from chaff. That he will store the wheat into his burn and burn the chaff into the, the unquenchable fire. So he actually uh, helped the people to understand what is the truth. What is the big T truth, like the capital T. And uh, he not only helped people to understand what is the truth is, but that truth, the very truth he was actually preaching, sharing, that made him f a famous prophet on that time. But the same truth put him in trouble when he spoke against Herod because of the marriage of uh, you know, Herod with Herodias. We say in, in Urdu, we say Herodias, uh, Herodias. I don't know, in English, maybe Herodias or whatever. Yeah, Herodias, excuse me for that. Uh, so he said, no, Herod do not have right to have his brother's wife. And the way you probably remember the, that he wanted to rule, he was after the seat, the big seat to be the king. And to get to that position, he wanted to do everything he, he would or he could. And he did it. So John stood up. Not only he, uh, he actually helped people to understand what the truth is, but he also boldly speak about the truth. So when people misunderstood about the truth, he defined the truth, the very truth, which is who Messiah is. And then he also boldly spoke about the truth. And when I was, uh, you know, when I was, when I was going through this whole uh, passage, uh, you know, I was just also thinking about ourselves, and I'm like, oh, as I said earlier, we have our own defined truths, and we sometimes live in the truth that is not actually the truth. And uh, somebody has to correct that. And when somebody corrects us, it's very painful, isn't it? And, uh, but somebody had the opportunity to stood up and speak about the truth. So I'm actually gonna really share about the truth that actually we are living in this world right now. Uh, and I said, we have, all, we have our own defined truths. And uh, what John remembered about himself, that he's not Messiah, although 
when you preach the truth, when you are preaching the truth, you become something very special. But what that helps us to understand that that truth helped him to be humble as well. So he, he still stay in the humility zone. He did not quit that. And uh, John remembered that he is here to prepare the path for someone greater than him. And when I see myself, because as a, you know, as a servant of the Lord, I have the responsibility to share and preach the truth. In my country, uh, when I see the situation that we are living in, it's not like similar like the times in Romans when Jesus Christ was there and, you know, Romans were controlling the whole country and they were, you know, uh, the Jews were living like a slaves. Uh, but in my country, Christians kind of, you can say, are living a little bit similar kind of situation. It's not easy to speak the truth in, in my nation. Sometimes it costs you to die for the truth. And, uh, and I know that we are called to take the truth to the world. I know whether you live in the persecuted nation or you live in a prosper nation. You and I have, as a Christian, responsibility. That is the truth. Go make disciples. But, you know, it's hard. It's not easy to help him, to help people to understand what is the truth is. It is, it is painful because everybody wants to live, everybody wants to be the part of something very sexy, something very cool, which means that the lies that people think are truths we want to lean to those truths which are most people are fan of or somebody very famous or our friends or our colleagues you know the believe the truth they believe is the truth we don't want to leave those people and we want to be the part of their truth and that's how most of the people you know in the present day living we feel so ashamed of the truth. We, we sometimes feel that if I speak the truth, people consider me outdated. People would think me, oh, I am an old guy, old fashioned, I'm not relevant. People would say, think about me, think about myself, I am not relevant to this culture, to this, this world right now. Or the Christian means, not a good thing here. When I came to the United States this time, I was at the airport of New York, and I saw Christmas trees, and I saw some very beautiful uh, decorated walls, and I thought there might be written, there might be a Christmas greetings on those Christmas, you know, decorated walls or the Christmas trees, but this, that was not. It was greet, uh, season greetings or whatever. And I was like, what? I thought there might be Merry Christmas. <laughs> no, that was not because people are offended of to say Merry Christmas. 
I shouldn't say that because people will offend. John didn't do that. He offends some people. My truth, the truth will offend some people. And I tell you something. Today, you and I are living in a world 2,000 years ago, some people after Christ decided to lean into with the truth. And that's why you and me are called today ourselves Christian. Although we don't say it loudly, but we are Christian. Some crazy people decided not to be the part of the small t truth, but they wanted to be lean, live with the truth. Truth that defined their path. So, I mean, we have the luxury over here uh, to hide because this is a Christian nation, right? Used to be. And, uh, and nowadays we feel so ashamed to call ourselves Christian because Christian means to offend someone. And uh, we have, I know there was a time when I remember that in our schools, in our colleges, and there were some Christian prayers, and people in Pakistan used, oh, the Christian, America is a Christian nation. We have some Christian country backing us, and we have some brothers and sisters. And they are here, I, and I praise God, you are here, right? But when I when I see a good picture, a big picture, it's not, it's, um, it's sorry, I mean, it's, I'm sorry to say that, it's not what it is. So, as we all are Christian, and we, and we, when we read the story of John, John's story is asking and crying, asking us to do something. It is saying that we have to correct someone's truth. Boldly speak out, live with the truth. Because the Bible says, the truth shall set you free. But my truth maybe is not setting me free because I'm living half truth and half lie. Because I'm irrelevant. So let me share with you about Pakistan. And I don't know if I have more time. I have more time? Five minutes? Two minutes? Five minutes, okay. Uh, in Pakistan, as I, was, as, as, I, as I was saying that, in Pakistan it's not easy to be a Christian. But it is, it is difficult to actually ignore the calling of God in our lives as a Christian. We are in minority. We are few. People call us untouchable, which means you are not, you are low. You are nothing. You are dust. Uh, people consider about us that we believe in, a, in the book that is corrupted, that is change. Uh, they have different kind of blasphemy laws. To, to persecute us. And I tell you, when we take this, this good news, the truth, by the way, this is the biography of Jesus Christ, and most of you probably have this. I don't know if you have. If you don't have, there are so many outside. So when you, when you, when you in, a, in my country, when you want to live and proclaim the truth, because you and I are called to take the gospel, make disciple of all nations, because that is also truth, right? When we become Christian, when we baptize, our responsibility is to take the gospel to the nations. Amen? 
But that is the very bitter truth because I don't want to do that. I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. And I, I, don't, I don't feel God is saying to me, but as a Christian, that is my, that is, that is my calling. So in Pakistan, what we do, although we have these different crazy laws, we don't stop. We, we still keep moving. One of our evangelists, what he does, he take this kind of, you see this Bible? It's not, it's not Bible, but it's a, it's a biography of Christ. And he take such, you know, literature, the Bible, and he go and he distribute among Muslims. And many times he had to face persecution, face to go into the jail. Uh, there was a time when there was policeman was trying to throw him in a canal, but someone from the police got a hurt something, kind of passionate hard to save him and let him go. Uh, just uh, two months, uh, two, probably three weeks ago, he had this uh, Christmas um, outreach program to go and take the gospel to 1,500 Muslims. And he don't take any uh, dictation or instruction from me. He just heard from God. <laughs> and he's a barber, by the way. He used to be my barber, but since, <laughs> since I don't have hair anymore, so he don't come to help me. But, so, but he has this calling to go and share the gospel to the unreached people. And, and he does that without having me instructing him or anyone. Just three, uh, three weeks ago, as I said, he was caught. And he was caught, and people made videos of his, of his literature that he was carrying in his backpack and some of, some of the cottons of the, of the Bibles that he had. He ran away. But some people made a video and saying, if you see this person, we want to find him. I didn't not tell you, Jerry and Sharon, but it just happened. And I, I don't want to of kind of give you a hard time for this, but uh, I know you love him. Uh, so, so he ran away. Somebody sent me that video and said, hey, this is Shamon, because he knew that this is Shamon. This is a Christian guy who told me that this video is viral, and they are looking after him, so please ask him to hide. Don't come back into this city again. So does that mean we should stop? In this pandemic, COVID hit. We had a very good reason to stop, sit in our, sit in our homes. And I told Jerry, hey, pastors are dying with hunger. There is nothing, there is no food there. There is a, everything is closed. Churches are shut down. Christians are hungry. They don't have food. So, you know, by just by faith, we were able to feed more than 25,000 people for two, two months. We were able to reach and travel 6,000 miles. Not only this, but just right now in our neighborhood, 
in Afghanistan, you see this big, horrible situation right now. Taliban took back that country. And many refugees moved towards Pakistan. They're illegal refugees. But guess what? We are called to love our neighbors, even those who persecute you. We are, we are called to love our enemies. And we have the opportunity to say no to them. We are now facing a kind of internal fear that maybe Taliban would know that someone is feeding them. 1,400 families, a big number, right? And also we are afraid of the government, what they would say. But guess what? The truth says, go love your neighbors. In, this, in these two stories, I would say, we had the opportunity to say no and stop following the truth, but we did not. But what happened? Because of following the truth, God is changing that, that nation. And I, and I invite you to think about yourself. What is your truth? I mean, what is your defined truth and what is the truth? The truth is calling us to go and influence those people who are not following the truth in our neighborhood, in our families, in our workplace. It may cost us isolation. <laughs> People may think we are outdated, but guess what? There is a reward. John, after, when we read, uh, you know, Matthew chapter 11, you know what Jesus said about John? He said he's more than a prophet. He said he's Elijah. He said he's a uh, uh, the one who's born of woman, he's greater than them. So guess what happened? Although we may not see the fruit of following the truth, but there are generations who are gonna be blessed through our decision that we will make today to follow the truth and live with the truth, the truth. And that's what we need in Pakistan, that's what we need in this nation. And I tell you, God will bless us, and God will bless our generation, those are coming. God bless you. And please take this, if you, will, if you like, and you can hand over this and remember Shimon in your prayers. You can take to your communities. <laughs> yeah, we have lots more of those on the tables outside. You're